a podcast from the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Welcome back to The Grind, a church planning podcast featuring practical tips, missional strategies, and personal stories to bring you insights and encouragement. Coming to you fresh from Little Rock, here's your hosts, Dave McClung and Neil Scoggins. Welcome back to the latest episode of The Grind, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. Was that your grind voice? <clears throat> it was. Dad and I had some french fry stuck in my throat. <laughs> some so, french fry. So, Nick, I haven't... Uh, Nick. Yeah. You, you don't look anything like Nick. No, no, I do. <laughs> Nick looks like me. He's had a long summer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So here I am. I've been working away today. I did not get, I had Snickers for lunch. Neil comes uh, in munching on the last vestiges of of uh, Wendy's, yeah, that, flaunting man. his Wendy's drink in I'm my face. I'm sorry, I just I couldn't get a Mountain Dew. Uh, yeah, well, so they, you know, I had to do. Man, I was. It's been a day. It's been a day. It's yeah. been look look how I'm dressed. <laughs> yeah. Neil looks like he just crawled out of bed. <laughs> and, uh, he's here in his pajamas. Uh, <laughs> hey, church planting is a grind. That's right. That's right. So here, here's what you get, folks. You know, you, you've come to expect this kind of greatness. Top, top notch. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Well, we've got the wardrobe budget for radio. Right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. the rest doesn't matter. No, we've got the wardrobe budget for podcasting in our mother's Podca- basement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's what we're equipped that's for. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're not our mothers. It's somebody no, else's mom. somebody mother's else's mom. <laughs> that's right. We don't even know whose basement this is. It's just... We just kind of took it over. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so we are excited today I to am. have our good buddy Chuck Geschwind uh, from Jonesboro, Arkansas Fellowship Community or Bible Church? Bible Church, isn't it? Yeah, Fellowship Bible. Yeah. Yeah, I ha- I just went yeah. blank there for but a second. There you go. I see Chanson Newborn's Church's Fellowship Community Church. Right. That's and so yeah. I got, and I got so Fellowship Bible. Fellowship yeah. Bible Church, Jonesboro, Paragould area. A lawyer also. Uh, so be nice to Chuck. You and better. Uh, he might keep you out of jail one day. Uh, you uh, also uh, <laughs> works with South Churches for Soma Network and uh, churches in the South connected with Soma. And does coaching for Saturate, which is a coaching network with Soma, and and also his own coaching network yeah. called Renewal. Renewal. So, That's right. Yeah. So what he does in his spare time is uh, take a cat nap. <laughs> talk, you, talks to us. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the idiocy known as the grind, Chuck. How about that? Well. It sounds like a lot of fun. I'm ready to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so you've broken three laws already. What <laughs> have I gotten myself into, right. and why did I do this? That's right. and, uh, so. He had his fingers in his ears for half of what we were talking that's right, about. That's he right. Like, I don't he even just now put his headphones in. That's, that's so, right. so he has no idea what we said. Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, which is good. Yeah, which is right. good. That's there right. There you go. Now, so I, I knew Dave back when he had to call what he did for a living the uh, the asylum. So yeah. I know his, his wow. Yeah. Wow. Chuck's been around since the early oh, days. Oh no. Yeah. He said asylum. He went back. That's right. That's that's the very early days of my ooh, church planting journey. We oui, oh we. Convention. Yeah. Golly. <laughs> yeah, Man. I remember when they placed the crazy church planter. That's it. That's it. Oh my yeah. goodness. I remember when I went and proposed that name to our executive leadership team and they're like, You wanna call it what? <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, hey, okay. you know, th- this is this And is, that's why and how uh Dave and I are friends. That's we're right. A lot alike. That's right. I'm, it I'm it makes really sense. Scared. It yeah. makes sense. So we've gone from the asylum to the grind. So yeah, all the way a theme, you know, D- kinda yeah. kinda running there. Sort of. Uh, the grind will put you in the asylum. asylum. There yeah. you go. <laughs> right. The asylum can be a grind. That's though. right. Yeah. That's right. That's so anyway, well, man, we're excited to have Chuck on and uh, just love his heart for church planters and, and church planting, a gifted coach, gifted church planting strategist. And so I've uh, been looking forward to this for a little while. And uh, so I want to kind of start off just, you know, 
uh, we're going to get into kind of your top 10 things that church planners need to know and think through and pray through as they're starting a church. But kind of tell everybody your church planning journey and, and how you ended up in church planning and coaching and even connected with SOMA and, and even your law practice as well because that's been interwoven in all of this you know, along the way as well. Kind of tell people who Chuck Swind is. You bet. Well, yeah, I'll be 58 a week from today, and I got saved by God graciously uh, 29 years ago. So as of uh, next week, I'll spend half my life as a Christ follower, cool. uh, born wow. in a round church. Um, and But while a lawyer practicing law in Little Rock, it became very clear, uh, even though I've been in church for a long, long time, like all my life, that I didn't have a personal relationship with God. And what he showed me on that day in November of 1990 was that I was running my life and ruining my life. And I surrendered at that point. And God very quickly changed my life and gave me just new desires, really, for the hunger for his word and for leadership. And ended up in uh, just taking some online classes at seminary. And lo and behold, I got a call out of the blue and got offered a job. And after I got married, moved to Mobile, Alabama, went on staff at Dolphin Way Baptist Church. Uh, 1996. I uh, was there for five years and then came back to Little Rock and did a year church planning residency with Fellowship Little Rock. And then they sent us out to Fellowship Jonesboro in 2002, planted with the team. Uh, Mitch Mayer was the lead pastor of a uh, great friend still. He's down in Katy, Texas now. He was here for about six years. And after he left, um, I was a teaching pastor from the beginning, but uh, then I took over as lead pastor. Um, and part of that story is going to come in. And we talk about discipleship and replanting, just some things that I didn't have uh, very clearly in view about discipleship. Uh, we did some replanting of our own church um, there in 2008. And that's when we became partners at that time with both uh, Acts 29 and SOMA and just getting their outside help to really think about what the mission of God is, uh, what the local church is supposed to look like, who we are as a church, and how we live and equip people as everyday missionaries. So been working with those groups uh, pretty much uh, ever since. Um, in 2012, God made it clear to me that it was needed to be more of my focus because it was my true passion to work with other churches and church leaders, both for church health and church planting. In order to do that, um, needed to turn the church over to a very gifted leader at our church we had planted. Uh, Ted Rogers took that over uh, late 2012. Um, had a heart attack nine days later, so that's a different part of the story. <laughs> Man, but wow. uh, I survived it in case you can't see that I'm actually alive. But, yeah. <laughs> but in doing that, uh, through my passion just to work with church planters, I you know, turned over the local everyday leadership to Ted and, and the salary, so I went back to practicing law part-time here in Jonesboro, and then in my spare time, raised a little bit of money to work with Soma South and help with uh, my buddy Shane in Nashville lead uh, our church, uh, our churches in the South with Soma, and we focus on uh, sending, which is church planning and strengthening of soul care, um, as well as I'm a local elder now. At, we had planted a church, uh, Fellowship Jonesboro planted Fellowship Paragool, sent um, here to pick me out back seven years ago, and so actually the last two years been over helping them i'm a local elder there uh, not on staff unpaid uh, and so i do that and then like you said i'll do some coaching to saturate and renewal coaching so um yeah that's my journey live here in jonesboro i got a wife uh lindy charlie billy and kate are my kids 22 20 and 17 so um yeah they're the loves of my life for sure cool <clears throat> cool Man, that's neat. well we uh i uh just uh, as of Sunday before last, was commissioned as a shepherding elder at Summit. Look at you. And so okay. just came on uh, to be a part of that team. Look at you. So, uh, so from now on, if you would call me Elder Dave. <laughs> elder <would> be... Dave. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And you know what? You, you got ordained an elder, I guess, because of the flood, maybe. I don't know, because of the, the flood. I, I had something funny to say in there, but it died in it the trance. It died. Trans I have no yeah, idea there you go. Saying. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Hey, Dave, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Danny Jones would never stood for it. He had to send him to Europe so you could get it. That's, that's exactly right. That's, right. that's exactly right. He's going to come back and take it back. Danny, I, I think the Lord is calling you back to Slovakia. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> so, how, so you were talking about your, your journey through that. Where did, and you, you ended up 
um, practicing law part-time at Jonesboro. How did the law piece get involved early on? I'm sure you just didn't wake up one day and say, Hey, I want to oh, be well, an attorney yeah. or stumble into. Yeah, he doesn't have a school. license. He just does it. Oh, yeah. got so, his middle name is just Law. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I got, thanks, yeah. Benny. <laughs> My cousin Benny. <laughs> the two Utes. <laughs> After a very illustrious, non-productive uh, golf career, A State uh, graduated in '83, <laughs> went to law school in Fayetteville, then I practiced law at the full time. Um, became a partner at the Little Rock's law firm, the Fidey Law Firm. So I was there from 86 to 96 oh. before I got called into ministry. Gotcha. So I was practicing law full-time downtown Little Rock when I got saved and then ultimately called into ministry to uh, Dawson Lake. Cool. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I've got, so, I've... When I needed a, so when I needed kind of a tent-making job, that, that was my skill, so to speak. Yeah. That's when I wanted to work with church planters. And so, uh, just through some friends here, I did the crazy reverse interview and said, well, I need to make kind of my money and salary here, but I don't want to work full time. So I still have the call of God in my life. And yeah. they were just crazy enough to say yes. So <laughs> clearly the Lord was in that. Yeah. yeah. One of my awesome. good friends was there when you were there. Mm-hmm. Jerry Malone was there when you were there, I think. Oh yeah, man. Oh, yeah. you know, Jerry. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah, he was a year ahead of me. Oh, from Earl. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Renee, his ex, uh, and Ken are our next door neighbors in yeah. Sherwood. Who is? Uh, Renee. Jerry's wife, Renee. I don't know her last name. Uh, it's Hudson now. Hudson, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but so I know Jerry, his daughter, Michaela, is my daughter's best friend. And, uh, so, uh, yep. So that circle is very small. I'm telling so, you, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I heard, I read an article well, the other day that the six degrees of separation has now gone to four. You know what? That's and, true. Uh, that is so, true. Uh, four, four degrees of separation <laughs> to anybody on the planet. Yeah. And that we is, just demonstrated that right here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, Jerry, we were in the same section. Like I said, just a year apart. So we did a lot of lunches together and had a lot of good times. So I can yeah. tell you. I love Jerry Stewart. I love Jerry Malone, man. Yeah. He's cool great. Guy. And uh, so, yeah, we, uh, yeah, his daughter Michaela uh, is is my daughter Sydney's uh, best friend. They're at A State together now, roommates okay. at A State. And uh, so, yep, yep, sure enough, that's cool. How about that, man? Four degrees, man. That's right. Four that's degrees. Right. That's it. <laughs> the world is shrinking. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is for indeed. sure. So, so one of the reasons we want to have Chuck on is, is get him to talk about, he's done a lot uh, in training church planners, coaching church planners over the years, not just planting himself, and all over the country uh, with Acts 29 and with SOMA, and then locally in, in state in Arkansas as well. And so he's kind of come up with 10, you know, some people have a top three, top five. No, Chuck's no, no, got a top Chuck. 10. There you go. Got a top 10. He's, you are literally the Dave Letterman. That's right. church planting. So, so we're going to do <laughs> Chuck Geschwin's top 10 things all church planters need to know. <laughs> <Ta-da-da>. <laughs> so, I don't know where it is in here. Yeah, right I don't here. know. I didn't. We have sound effects on our board here, but we haven't figured out how to use them yet. And I, so uh, I, I don't know. What he was. just pushed a button. I don't, we don't know. And it, it is. It's probably not turned up. And it's so, no, oh oh. So there's probably a noise that's going to happen right in the middle of the conversation. It's going to say, "What in the world is that?" Noise? Right. I'm sorry. It just. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we got a new board uh, to record this in. It's really nice, and it's got some cool stuff. We're still figuring out how to use it. Uh, there you so, go. Uh, yeah. So you obviously, go. right there. Okay. Back on track. Okay. Scroll. Cool. Uh, so. <laughs> So let's talk through, just kind of talk through the top ten. And Nick, uh, I said Nick again. Yeah, yeah. I, I miss you, Nick Burt. Yeah, we, we all so, miss Nick. Yeah. There you go. So uh, if so, Nick were here, what would be, Chuck, your top ten? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to learn how to transition here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would be your top ten? I don't know. What, what would you call it? Top ten lessons, top ten things a church planner should know, things you look for. Yeah, I just call I get to talk, yeah, top 10 lessons learned church planting. Uh, the list is a lot longer, but then I know that I don't get to talk all day, so I put it down to 10. But <laughs> yeah. I call them my tattoo-worthy passages to burn on every planter, if not skin, at least on your soul if you're not into tattoos. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not near that cool, but 
Neil's so anyway, got one on his lower it. back. Yeah. And, uh, Can't see it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Too much That sun. butterfly turned into an albatross. <laughs> yeah. That's my fear. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> Nick's going to have to edit this one a lot, too. For real. Yeah. 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 So, anyway. He's going to earn that dollar and a half. All right. Let's top ten. Here we go. And then Neil and I will jump in along the way. All right. Well, the first one uh, ought to be obvious, but it's not. When I work with church planners, and it's make disciples. Yeah. Matthew 28, make disciples. Go. It's got to be the mission of every church. Jesus gave us that mission and mandate. And I just help church planners try to figure out they got to get that right at the beginning and the middle, and they should never lose sight of that. Yeah. And the reason this is so important is I was about six years in my own church plant, and we had a lot of successes and a lot of great things going on, but we realized in a season of transition that we weren't even asking the right question of how do you effectively make disciples? That really sent me on a tailspin for a while and just really uh, seeking the scriptures and seeking outside counsel and just have developed some deeper convictions personally about what it meant to make disciples um, and just studying, you know, the gospels and how Jesus did it. And he's pretty good. And so really simply, um, I just try to help planners. They can do it in their own language. doesn't have to say it the way we say it, but there's got to be three ingredients to help evaluate whether someone's discipleship is effective, and that's Jesus' message, you know, the gospel of the kingdom, and that's a whole, you know, discussion and teaching that needs a lot of work. Jesus' mission to actually make disciples, um, you know, uh, and toward the renewal of all things and the ultimate consummation of the kingdom, then his method. Uh, so his message, his mission, and his methods, and I think so often the church doesn't use Jesus's method, um, mm -hmm. which I think are life on life, life in community, and life on mission is the way we train up right. our everyday disciples. And that Jesus didn't just do classrooms; he, he did everyday life, and that's where the life on life, life in community, life on mission—that's that's the method Jesus used. So it's really near and dear to my heart because, like I said, we kind of goof that up. And uh, so we went through a public relaunch of our church around how do you effectively make disciples? Um, and rather than beat up our people like they weren't doing what we said, and we weren't reaching more people, we realized our people were doing everything that we were asking them to do, and we just weren't calling them to the mission of making disciples. Yeah. So just real quick, we, we confessed back probably 08, uh, five leadership sins uh, that we had done in planning our church and, and – uh, First, we had planted programs instead of planting the gospel. Second, we had taught our people great Bible content without calling them to follow Jesus on the mission of the gospel, which is for, you know, discipleship. Third sin was we equipped people for our world, the church world, more than equipping them for their world and their everyday life. Mm, wow. Fourth sin of leadership we committed was we began and ended with doing what we do rather than being in our gospel identity. Then our fifth thing we confessed to is that we were more concerned with filling our services than filling our city with gospel-centered followers of Jesus. Mm. So that was a real humbling but exciting season uh, in our ministry back 2007, 2008. Um, and um, so, yeah, that's why I have that conviction. So make disciples. The scriptures talk a lot about making disciples, and my conviction is we teach people how to make disciples uh healthy churches will follow. Right. Because it talks a lot more about making disciples than does planting church, yep. churches in the New Testament. So that's the biggie. Uh, we can come back to that all, all the time. Well, uh, and second, that's, you know, uh, that you said it a while ago. I mean, that you, you kind of assume that, which we'll mm -hmm. talk about assuming later what that does to you. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, but it's amazing how, how very few people have a clear plan for making disciples. Right. Uh, we in our church planning training, we make them write out what is a disciple. Uh, okay, if this is what one is, then then how do you how do you get that? What do you do to make that picture yeah. right there? And then once you make that disciple, then what do you do with them from there? Right. Uh, yeah. And and everybody has a, a vague idea of how they ought to do that, but nobody's ever m mapped out a plan to really accomplish that and, and make sure yeah. that they're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you That's can't, part of my life ministry is going back through coaching. I make yeah. sure people can yeah name Absolutely. what is a made disciple, what is a mature disciple, and, and how did Jesus do it? Not just your method, but is your method consistent with Jesus' method? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Huge. That's absolutely yeah. huge. 
All right. Well, good job, Dave. I like your church playing training already. <laughs> yeah. Second, uh, the spirit is impressive. I learned this the hard way. Lots of stories there, but as Jesus said, greater works, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Greater works will you do because I'm going to the Father and lead you to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is clearly the expert disciple maker. Um, one of my stump speeches with training pastors is there's no secret, you know, silver bullets or shortcuts. There, there is the Spirit. We need to learn His voice. We need to learn to follow Him. Uh, one classic illustration, love to teach this passage, is when God wanted to reach Africa, how did He do it? Well, He simply told Philip, the voice of the Lord came to him and said, take a different road. Yeah. And all he did was take a different road uh, because that's when he had that divine encounter mm-hmm. uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch who yeah. was already being convicted, was already reading the scriptures. Like, <laughs> the spirit is impressive. He knows how to get the gospel from a desert road uh, there in Acts uh, to the whole continent of Africa yeah. through the Ethiopian eunuch. So, yeah. I mean, if you go through Judges, every town was defeated differently. You go through Acts, every church was planted it differently yeah, that's right. so we have to listen to the spirit and um francis schaefer said a long time ago that highlights this that the real problem uh in the church the lord jesus christ uh is tending to do the lord's work in the power of the flesh rather than the spirit yeah the central problem is always in the midst of the people of god not in the circumstances surrounding them and so it's the Holy Spirit who's applying the finished work of the victorious risen Jesus Christ. If we appropriate by faith Jesus and the gospel and his message, mission and method through the Holy Spirit, then then we win. We, you know, yeah. um, right. And so the problem is helping stir up within us the, the spirit of God. Yeah. Um, and so I could go on and on and on all day, but uh, that's one thing we really <laughs> help church planters see that it's the Holy Spirit is the planter and he's the expert disciple maker. So do you think that we've been afraid over the years of even discussions about the Holy Spirit? Yes. Because uh, <laughs> I think sometimes that we, I don't know, and I'm, I'm kind of falling into having conversations with folks and they'll, they'll mention Holy Spirit and then they won't have any scripture to kind of back up. They'll say it, but there is no theology to, like you were talking right. about, you know, how, Literally, how did God, if God went to reach Africa, what did he do? Well, he was Philip was sent by God, by the power of the Holy Spirit to go minister. So we do. I'm, I'm asking a question and answering it at the same time. But uh, and I agree. My answer was going to be <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. We're afraid and we're afraid because of lots of reasons. And we can go into that sometime. But now uh, it's one of my favorite things to help people get over that fear that he's, he's obviously God. Yeah. And and just real quick, one one of the I've got come up with three questions in a training I do to help people feel safer and to trust the person of the Holy Spirit. And the first question I always ask and dialogue with them about is, "Does the Holy Spirit love you?" Mm. Wow. And I know there's not an exact verse of that, but the Holy Spirit's God and God is love, so yeah, of course right. He loves yeah. you. Right. People go, "Now I've never even thought that He loves me." Right. And right. That He's me. And so it just starts with questions like that, and just helps them realize, and then read their Bible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I think uh, in addition to fear, I think these first two points are just really intricately related because if the church is not actually trying to make disciples and on the front edge of mission, they don't really need the Holy Spirit to right. carry out exactly. most of our right. and the things we're trying to call church. Right. And so the more you get people on mission, they realize, holy cow, I cannot do this in the power of my flesh. The Holy Spirit's got to do it. So Yeah. Yeah. At Centralized a few years ago in Dallas, Caesar Kalinowski asked the question. He did a talk on the Holy Spirit, and he said, when is the last time you woke up and said, all right, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? Oh, yeah. man. Um, and and it, it was one of those times I, I don't know that I'd ever thought about that question yeah. like that. And yeah. and he said, "We you know, we need the Spirit to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in in our world and he said so when's the last time you let the spirit direct you know your your ministry your work when's the last time you asked him what do you want to do rather than just assuming that he's going to bless everything we want to do and i tell you that was one of those uh 
one of those moments where God just got a hold of me in a brand new way. Yeah. And, uh, and that was part of our early time at Summit Church as well, which Bill oh, Ellen is, is so good at that. And, and, yeah, he uh, is. And so um, it really kind of And I use that. Acts 8 with, you know, with Philip, it says, you know, I mean, it's all through. It's like the Holy Spirit said. And so mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't have any business planning churches. We don't know the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly. right. That's yeah. right. I mean, period. Period. And, uh, absolute statement, no condition or qualifier, because that's God on earth doing all the work. So exactly. our whole job is to try to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and- you know, so we try to cultivate that and to know the voice of the Lord and to be, friend, you know, friends yeah. of God. I mean, when Jesus said, hey, man, you can call you friends, it's because it's because my father's going to let you in on, on what we're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're friends of God. Yeah. I mean, we better have communication lines open with the, the head of our army and, and you know, as yeah. a child of a father. So. Well, and, you know, being good Baptist, Henry Blackaby has said for years, you know, find out where God's working and join him. That's it. Well, it's Spirit's going to lead in that. That's, that's how we find out, you know, where God's working. And uh, and so, uh, I, you know, my evangelism professor in college used to say, we're much more charismatic than we are charismatic. And uh, Wow. And yeah. You got that right. You know, we're scared to death <laughs> we are. You know, of that. Yeah. And so, but yeah, you're dead right. Uh, yeah. And even in 1 Corinthians 14, another thing to help people trust the Holy Spirit is that he, I say he is a gentleman. I mean, it says everything should be done decently in order. Yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit totally took over the church gathering that's being described in First Corinthians 14, mm-hmm. but it ends it with, but everything's done decently in order. Yeah. Right. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So it's not like, you know, yeah. you're running around barking like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> wait, so, wait, I mean, wait, hold on. We can't bark like a dog? And, man. I I've been... say you can't. I say <laughs> You don't have to do so involuntarily. Oh, gotcha. Right. Okay, I gotcha. It may not be the spirit Still, leading totally you. Totally. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, or it's an A <laughs> spirit, but not the spirit. Not the spirit. Yeah, yeah there yeah. you go. So, anyway. I'm sorry, Chuck. So we do a lot of training. Yeah. I mean, that's the, those first two are a lot of the training. Uh, moving on to the third one, um, comfort more than challenge. Comfort more than challenge. It's a rare church planner that I don't hear use the word challenge to me, in my opinion, way too much. Like, man, I need to call my people up. I need to challenge them, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And while that's true, that there's an occasional need for a challenge, I'll say they need 10 times more comfort than challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're leading a flock. We're not here to beat sheep. Right. (laughs) We're here to shepherd sheep. Yeah. And to develop them. And uh, Isaiah 40, verse 1 is uber famous, you know, comfort. Comfort my people, says God. And um, I just, you can edit it later. It's too long, but there's a great paragraph. I just feel compelled to read uh, the Ray Orland says in his great Isaiah commentary about this idea of comfort that really is helpful to church planters. There's an end to the disciplines of God. Faith is not all struggle. It is also relief, uh, relief and hope and new beginnings. God's deepest intention towards us is comfort. How could it be otherwise? If the focus of Christianity were our sins, our future would shut down. But in fact, Christianity is all about the saving grace of God. He overrules our stupidity with his own absolute pardon to the finished work of Christ on the cross. (laughs) Do we sin? Yes. Do we suffer for it? Yes. Is that where God leaves us? No. No. It's when discipline has done its good work. God comes back to us with overflowing comfort. See in God then, not a frown, but a smile. Not distance, but nearness. Even when we don't act like the people of God, he still identifies with us. Do you have glad expectations of God? You may, even as a sinner. Do you see God coming down to you as you are, with your mission still unfulfilled, but with his renewing mercies? You may. And you must see God this way, or you'll never get any traction for holiness. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm-hmm. That was his his rant and his commentary just about <laughs> the comfort of God, because in the context of Isaiah 40, I know you guys know that great transition from yeah. the first 39 chapters of discipline, mm-hmm. and then it talks about the renewed hope yep. of the future of the people of God, starting with that phrase, comfort, comfort my people. So that's mm-hmm. our job, the comfort more than challenge. It's to dispense hope 
gospel is good news for wayward, weak sinners. Yeah. So, man. Um, I just I preached on uh, just preached need on that admonition as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I just preached on uh, Psalm 51 Sunday, which is uh, you know, Ooh. I mean, it's a it's a tough psalm in, in the in the sense that the place where it's coming from, you know, David's had the affair with Bathsheba and everything, all the subsequent actions from that. But I, I think it is probably one of the greatest pictures of, of God's grace that we have, oh, man. you know, in the Old Testament. He starts off, you know, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Yeah. You know, here is this appeal to the very heart and nature of God, uh, from a man who deserves just the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but is hopeful for the unfailing love, the the loving kindness of God, the the great compassion of God that yeah. would wash away all his sin, cleanse his iniquity, create in him a clean heart, you know, restore the joy of, of the Lord's salvation. Yeah. It's just an incredible picture um, of of God refusing to leave us in our sin. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and there's no greater picture of grace. I, Isaiah 6, you know, Isaiah's encounter with the Lord in the temple, and, you know, he sees man. God and says, uh-oh, yeah, I'm, I'm ruined, I'm done. Yeah, man of unclean lips, live among a people of unclean lips, and now my eyes have seen the king. And uh, and then the next scene is God sending the angel to the altar with the tongs with to the clean to- yeah. his to sin. His tongue, yeah. To not let that be the end of the story. And... Uh, and so, yeah, well, you know, that's a piece. And I think that we miss, you know, and even in church planting, we, like you said, Chuck, we, you know, we challenge, challenge, but we forget to remind, I, you know, I think maybe that's why we fall into that uh, programs and man-made stuff. If we're literally being led by the spirit, we'll fall back into the preaching comfort, reminding folks who God is, because that's why we gather in the first place. Isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, God in that famous encounter with Moses, when he gave his own self-revelation, that's the term he used, that he's the God of loving kindness. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think that's primary, and that's what people need to experience, even in soul care. I mean, they need to know that they're loved, that they're safe, that they're being held. He's Colossians 1, he's holding us all together, the whole universe, including us. Uh, And that's why even the the theme in the psalmist, the theme of the morning is, it's not challenge, it's just loving kindness, Psalm Mm -hmm. 92, uh, 2 to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just at the beginning of any church service, at the beginning of any day, at the beginning of any discipleship meeting, I mean, I try to teach them to say, you always start with reminding them of who they are yeah. and the grace of God and their God. And that the, you declare the loving kindness. And that's the foundation and platform of our relationship with God and of our discipleship. So that's good. That's a biggie to me. And uh, I need that. And the reason I know that's true is I desperately need to hear that every day. Absolutely. And that's how I strive to start my days. I, I never grow weary of needing to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, fourth, maintain unity. Ephesians 4 it says maintain the unity of the spirit. If you're going to be a spirit-filled church planner, uh, your church is not going to be filled with perfect people you're going to have people that haven't been taught how to conflict because they have not been taught how to be family they have not been taught how to have relationships no church has ever escaped relational failure the point is what are you going to do when failure happens yeah you want to maintain the unity of the spirit and restore the unity of the spirit uh so you got to teach people uh what it looks like to forgive and reconcile um you know the church that's been said sadly is the only organization that shoots its wounded uh, just to drive the point home, Peter, yeah. James, and John, you know, are arguing about who's the greatest. Uh, just to, to paint this picture of how no church, no band of disciples escapes relational failure. Yeah. Again, the question is, what are we going to do about that when we fail? We're going to love, forgive, and restore. We're going to divide and grow bitter and let a root of bitterness grow up. Uh, you know, First Corinthians 1, he says, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to agree that there be no divisions among you. You know, Philippians 2, he told these two great ladies, mm-hmm. church, help them. The whole purpose of the book of Philippians, mm-hmm. help these two ladies agree in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Paul and Peter had a major conflict about how to live out the grace of God, you know, and Paul said, I had to post Peter to his face. You know, Paul and Mark had the, or, uh, Paul and Barnabas had the conflict around Mark's failure, mm-hmm. and he wasn't just dedicated as Paul wanted him to be. 
you know, the Thessalonian church was divided over the idleness of some over the second coming of Jesus. Paul told Timothy to remain at Ephesus because there was a conflict over doctrine going on and on and on and on. And so, church planter, you are not immune from relational failure. It will happen. So you have to teach people how to be human yeah. and have human relationships because we are the family of God. We are the household of God. Yeah. So, And unity is not uniformity. Exactly. Uh, exactly. We're not a well, bunch no, of clones. That same passage teaches that. Yeah. Yeah, the unity and diversity. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had a buddy who's pastor in church. It's been a it's been a tough church over the years. A uh, lot of fuss and fight, and there's you know a couple of key leaders that kind of run the show, and and they they you know allow a pastor to go so far, and then they'll run them off, and they just finally met somebody that was more stubborn than they were. <laughs> And refuse to leave, and uh, and they just they fight all the time. I told him, I said, you know, I said your primary responsibility there may be teaching them how to fight well. Yeah, uh, yeah. That you can disagree and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. And still move forward as the church. And I said nobody's ever taught them how to fight. That's why they're so mean. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and I said you're teaching them how to fight because you're not giving up on them. Yeah. Uh, and he he stayed. And, and it's changing the mindset of that church because he's fought with them and he stayed. Wow. And, uh, and that's one of the ways that they've maintained and built some unity in a church that hasn't. That's not been a hallmark characteristic of this right. church. So it's been kind of fascinating to watch. Now, I'm a big believer in team ministry just because of you can have more gifts available to equip the body mm-hmm. and team is better. But team is harder because, it's, yeah. you know, it's harder, but it's worth it. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Cool. Which leads us into number five. (laughs) Right. Number five. Uh, Yeah. Release the eight. Uh, (laughs) And that's a reference made famous, at least to me, by Alan Hirsch and others. But it really comes right out of the scriptures of Ephesians 4, that there's five equipping gifts. Um, Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. And I think from that, when you see how the New Testament unfolds, that there's really two redemptive structures of leadership, both local leaders, extra local leaders. And I think the church needs to waken up and let local leaders be local leaders, but they also need to uh, let release the apes, release those extra local leaders to go serve a multitude of churches. And I think they're one's not better than the other. Yeah. One's not more holy than the other, and they're both necessary. Uh, a classic example of that in the first church planning journey Paul took, what I call it, Acts 13 and 14. Of course, the Holy Spirit that sent out Paul and Barnabas. Mm-hmm. They had three other guys say and continue to be leaders in at the great church, uh, planning church of Antioch, but they went city to city. And then at the end, they went back to their home church. Right. Uh, uh, not the short route, but they went back through uh, appointing elders in every city, back where they'd just been beaten to the end of their life and yeah. left for dead at some of those spots, but they appointed local elders in those churches. So. Um, I mean, most of the guys we've heard of named in the New Testament won't, were not local church pastors. Um, Paul, Barnabas, Titus, Timothy, hardly any of those guys for much of their life passed a local church. And passing local church is a great high calling. I'm not diminishing that, but there is such a thing as a, a, a bunch of weirdos, these apes that are gifted apostolically yeah. uh, and prophetically and evangelistically maybe to serve a, a group of churches and we could go on and on all day about that, but I think it's important because I think the to have that fivefold uh, equipping, uh, and I don't necessarily people argue about this stuff, but I don't think that uh, I think those five are equipping gifts. Mm-hmm. I don't think every church needs to have all five, yeah. but I think every church, local church, needs to have access within their relational framework all five. So if they're weak in evangelism, they they have access to real gifted. Not just some expert that doesn't know them, but through their relational denomination, network, tribe, that they have relational access to these high-level equippers. So uh, I think that's how the church is, um, you know, paints the most beautiful picture of Jesus. That's why he gave us this fivefold, because Jesus was great at all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that does describe Jesus. But just real quick, I think, you know, apostolic leadership helps us root in, in God's mission and joins us uh, as sent out people. Uh, prophetic uh, ministries needed uh, says the word becoming flesh uh, to really help them make the word become flesh in concrete situations throwing the bright light of God's justice on the situations of the injustice that surrounds us so 
what do you think, prophetic, which is another, you know, uh, controversial yeah. kind of use of the word, kind of like the Holy Spirit, you know. In right. Yeah, right. Whatever you, whatever you call them, there is a pr- pr- prophetic, not pathetic, but prophetic ministry of yeah. the word of God, really that equips the saints for the work of kingdom ministry um, that really helps get breakthrough in goodness and newness of the reign of God, you know, breaking in. Then, of course, evangelistic ministries that which expand uh, and equip people to tell the story into a particular culture and context, uh, and that's just an important gift. Then the pastors and, and teachers ministry, the words that we're more familiar with in the local church are just so important to care for the sheep and to teach and equip, you know, them um, just to help the, the witness of the church to help, you know, from personal brokenness or corporate brokenness just through teaching and care. Uh, to be the witness of the goodness of grace of God um, just in everyday life. So, yeah. again, try to fly, but uh, that's just another, I think, area that people need to go to Ephesians 4 and wrestle through that and come to their own convictions as they plant, uh, because that's how Jesus has told us that the church is to be equipped, and I think yeah. we need access at a minimum all five of those. Right. I know her says everyone and all that. We can get into all that. Yeah. But I mean, I appreciate <laughs> well, and I was going to say... I, know, and I think people do it a certain kernel of form. I don't disagree with him there, but to me, um, and those are these are kind of high-level equippers. They're yeah. equipping the saints through the work of ministry, and not everyone is supposed to be an equipper. So, anyway. Well, and, and he will say that as well, that you know these are, these are not leadership gifts necessarily, because mm-hmm. not everybody's going to be a leader. But um, that we are going to be wired toward one of these, exactly. whether we lead out in that or not. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, what I tell folks all the time, you know, whether you want to acknowledge an apostolic, prophetic, or evangelistic gifting, you better have some kind of external mission thrust within your church, or it's going to turn internal and inclusive and right. and, and never reach anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we can quibble over terms, you know, all day long, but there is. There must be an external missionary evangelistic thrust in every church if, if we're going to reach people with the gospel. Yeah. I'm reading yeah. a book. And I, I would go further and say without that, it's not even a church. Exactly. I 100% agree. Well, there, there's a book no I'm reading, and I, and I can't say the title yet because I didn't get clearance permission yet. <laughs> but he's basically saying the same thing. Yeah. He's saying that, you know, instead when we start to turn internal, mm-hmm. we it turns into something weird, and we've created that and an economic structure structure to support that as well. Yeah. And then we're wondering why, as culture changes, we're struggling yeah. instead of doing it God's way. But I'm going to tell you about that book. That book is just, it's awesome. <laughs> it is. You can give well, the can tell I, me about it say, offline, too. Yeah, well, no, it's Letters it, to the Church. It's uh, oh, Francis, Francis Chan's Chan. book. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. He's, man, I'm, uh, I'm not through with it, but, man, it's like, <laughs> no, yes. it's cool it is just he's laying it out i don't know how the rest of it is but the early on he's like wrestling with some stuff yeah. so he might be one of those prophetic guys i was just about to say <laughs> the exact same thing that yeah. Uh, yeah. that he and is providing the simplest way for me to help train church planners or anyone in this is to say the church is the body of christ so we better resemble jesus so you look at the luke acts continuum and luke jesus was the spirit filled missional savior of the world mm-hmm. who's come to seek and save the lost. Yeah. Therefore, in Acts, the church is the spirit filled body of Christ who is sent into the world to seek and save the lost. I mean, everything we everything we see Jesus do in Luke, we see the church do in Acts. Yeah. So what's the church? Well you study the ministry of Jesus and then see how it played out as the Spirit led the church to do it. And so he clearly was a missionary, yeah. and therefore his church clearly has a, not just, I mean, yeah, I think it's just the tip of the spear yeah. of the church's identity. It's well, God's, you know, Brad quotes John twenty twenty one all the time, uh, mm, you know, yeah. as mm. the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So it begs the question, okay, how did the Father send Jesus? And then, subsequently, how is he sending us? And you just described it right there, you mm-hmm. know. What he does in Luke, the church does in, in, in Acts. Acts. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. that's a great picture. And back to my first point of making disciples, as Jesus was going out and doing that, I mean, 
he, he was training his disciples on the mission exactly. of teaching them to become fishers of men as he was reaching more people. Yep. So it's kind of like the question is always, well, do you use the people to get the work done or use the work to get the people done? And the answer is yes. Yep. It's always both. And <laughs> yes. so that's what Jesus did. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and whether they succeeded or failed, he still used his discipleship. So when they right. failed, yeah, come by over here. Let me tell you, you couldn't cast this demon out, even though they had cast out demons before. Right. This time they they were doing it in their own strength. And says, no, this kind can only come out by fasting and prayer. Or if they were successfully bring them back, and they say, hey, man, we did this and this. After he sent them out two by two, and he goes, hey, don't rejoice in that. Yeah. That's awesome. But rejoice that your name's written in the Lamb's Book there of Life. Yeah. Because you're not going to have ministry success every day. Right. And so. That's the way, anyway. Back to the top. <laughs> so, number, ready for number six? Yep. Yep. Number six, walk in weakness. This is the thorn in the flesh uh, passage, 2 Corinthians 12. You know, Paul said to keep me from becoming conceited or prideful, which we know elsewhere in Scripture that God's opposed to the proud. So, mm -hmm. we, he's pretty committed to us not being proud, prideful that he gave him the thorn in the flesh. And regardless of what you think it is, in my opinion, that's not even the point of the passage. What we know is Paul begged God constantly to take it away, and God said no. But God said six very intimate words to Paul as he was pleading in agony to have the thorn removed. And he said, my, my grace is sufficient yeah. for you. Yep. And then Paul, that, that changed him. And that was the, the foundation was ministry. And so it goes on to say that uh, in that passage, uh, that's where my Bible is open, ready for this point, because I love this verse in verse 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Mm -hmm. Most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So the irony I talk to church planners about is, Hey, do you want the power of Christ to dwell upon your church planning <laughs> ministry? Well, of course. You want to feel weak and be in agony and totally dependent and out of control? No. no. Well, it's one or the other. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Take right. So if you want uh, the power of Christ to dwell in your ministry, you better learn to walk in weakness. You better learn that you're human and God is God. You're weak and he's strong. Um, and God is committed. I mean, he really is committed to... Um, helping us see that weakness. And so we love the idea that God's writing the story of our life. He's the author, perfecter of our faith. We love that the mega theme that he's going to take it from beginning to middle to end. What we often do not like, though, is the subplots and the sub-subplots, the means he <laughs> yeah. uses, the circumstances he uses, the lack of speed yeah. of our church plan experience, Ooh. or on and on and on. And so uh, we, we tend to want the means to be comfort, you know, and, yeah, yeah. And uh, oftentimes, it's, everything just goes great all the time. Uh, we, we tend to live independently of God, which is what Adam and Eve did, which is the exact opposite of what God's purpose for us is just to live in close, intimate relationship with Him. Terry, Bur Terry Virgo, whose ministry is planted, they planted over a thousand churches now through his influence. He just says this very simply often, God's program for the strong is first to weaken them so we can use them. And uh, there's just a lot of and that's why uh, church planning training is ongoing. That's why that I think in the scriptures, not just about making disciples that become churches. Then you've got the whole ministry of Paul, that Terizzo strengthening the disciples. is to have that relationship with a sending church, with a network tribe denomination, whose task is the ongoing strengthening of those disciples to keep reminding them because they're going to hit walls and they're going to have thorns in their flesh. And they're right. going to want to give up. And so you come behind them as a, a spiritual father, as an encourager, to remind them that, no, maybe they're exactly on the right track. And right. that they need to learn to be used by God and be weakened so the power of Christ can rest upon the ministry. So, And that's where we don't have time for today, but just encourage all of our leaders to be, you know, get, uh, you know, really pursue emotional health. Um, their emotional, spiritual health is, is so key, and that, that's a whole different topic, but that's what that comes in to, to understand your weaknesses and your wounds and your vacuum. So, well, and this anyway. is this just flies in the face of everything our culture tells us. Oh yeah, to 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 get what you can get, get it now. It's all about you. 
It's you know you're you're strong in your identity. You're strong in who you are, and you know the gospel tells us no, <laughs> no flip that, and yeah. uh, and it just flies in the face of everything, you know that we see throughout our, our whole culture, and and we're not immune to that, you know as leaders in the church, you know the you know, the success factors we buy into and all of that oh, stuff, and so it's that's a tough one uh, for a lot, yeah. particularly for I think for for men. And uh, we got to be strong in, in everything. And God says, no, no, I'm yep. the strong one. Yeah. Uh, you hang on to me. So. And he's asked for much uh, quicker little sound bites almost, but they're important to me. Uh, find them useful. Church planners find them useful. Number seven, haste makes waste. Haste makes waste. And in particular, I'm thinking about First uh, Timothy 5.22, don't be hasty in the laying on of hands of leaders. Yes. Classic church planner mistake is yeah. appointing leaders, elders, uh, whatever framework you, you appoint leaders as way, 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 way too soon. So yeah. um, I just get them to slow down. That's why they need sending churches. That's why they need external boards. They need other, you know, mature leaders around them to help them make those decisions. And that's one thing, actually, if you release the eighth, that's one of the main things Paul did is he helped appoint elders mm-hmm. to say, no, this, this group of people now need to lead that church. That's mm-hmm. one of the apostolic functions. We can use that word. Uh, Pauline functions, if you want to edit that. <laughs> no, we can use <laughs> no. the word apostolic. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, and just a real quick two-question two uh, assessment for leaders if uh, that cuts through a lot of stuff for me. Because I talk to church planners, sometimes casually, sometimes formally in assessments. But uh, my internal question is, if something happened to my, you know, to me, would I trust this leader with my wife and kids? Mm. Would I want him there you in go. spiritual leadership? Yeah. And that pretty that pretty much cuts right to the quick. And I can give, I mean, there's some men that, that I do trust. Yeah. And I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd love for them to change my family. And there's a lot of guys I'd say, over my dead body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a chance. If that's the case, that tells you a lot. I mean, it, if you're not going to trust your family to them, because what, as we train church planners, as you guys know, I mean, I think a lot more about, I mean, I, I love church planners and I love their, uh, care about their wives. Uh, I'm usually their best friends, but I think about the people in their churches. What are we unleashing on these? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. The guy that's living out his, daddy wound so that he can try to prove himself right so, right um, <laughs> you preaching that anyway, that's the first question the second one's very simply is i just you gotta ask before you appoint a leader uh is their wife on board yeah yeah and there's just so many illustrations of uh and if she's not on board there's usually reasons why uh not saying it's the woman's fault, the man's fault, but that just needs to be dug into. If there's not a clear unity in the marriage that this man's called into leadership in your church, um, you know, you're married to who you're married to, and that's part of the plan. So I've just paid attention to those two things. So haste makes wake is number seven. Um, Number eight is champion clarity. Learned this from my old coach, uh, John Bryson, fellowship associate. He's a passionate fellowship in Memphis. Does a great job working with church planters. Um, and he told me a long time ago, you know, champion clarity. People hate ambiguity and complexity, mm-hmm. but they love clarity, uh, simplicity and clarity. And so um, all the time we don't and encourage church planners early on in their process, don't be afraid to ask people questions. Mm-hmm. What are you hearing me say? What's yeah. our vision? What's our mission? What are we going after? What are we, who are we? What's our distinctive? And if they can't tell you, you know, if it's ambiguous and complex to them, you hadn't done your job yet. Yeah. Right. You know, the old adage is if you're not sick of saying it, you hadn't said it enough yet. Yeah. But still, what you're saying needs to be simple and clear. Uh, and everyone doesn't have to plant the same church or have to be the end-all, be-all for their city. So I really try to help church planters plant simple, clear churches. And I tell them all the time, and they, they kind of like sit back and take a breath. I say, once you plant a church, you will enjoy yeah. being a part of it. Yeah. Raising your, and raising your kids in. Yeah. I trust your instincts enough that, that that's not going to lead you astray. So plant a church you're going to enjoy, yeah. you know? Yeah. And don't plant a church because you think it needs to have a book written about it. And don't plant a church that has to meet every need in every city. 
you find out your call and go plant that church and you do your part and you finish your course as Paul tells us in Acts 20, just do your part, do your part of the kingdom. So anyway, that's all under champion clarity. I just, I'm Keep sorry. That, complexity. That's it. I, you know what you're talking about clarity. Sometimes w- what we feel like is clarity yeah. is really not clarity. It's really not. It's, it may be halfway clear to us, but it's not clear to those people yeah. around you. Uh, Paul Hudson would talk about uh, sharing vision, sharing core values. He said, as soon as you get to the point where you're sick of saying it, that's when people start to pick it up. Yeah. Dave actually, and I don't know if you did this, but Dave, uh, talking about clarity, Dave, I don't know if it was you or you were telling a story about a guy that preached a sermon, and he said, hey, I'm going to ask you during their small group time, I'm going to ask you what you heard me say. Uh, yeah, we did that. Yeah, and so, you know, what did you hear me say? And what they said had nothing to do with what he meant. <laughs> and then he came right back the next day. So I ended up doing that. I did. I preached a sermon, and in the introduction, I explained to them, listen, we're going to come back on Tuesday night and talk about I'm, I want you to tell me what you heard. They heard something totally different than what I wanted to say. Yeah. Told them what I wanted to say, and I said, how can I say that better? Yeah. And I'm going to say it in two weeks. Two weeks later, preach the sermon. Same text, totally different sermon. Ask them again. They said, wow, you preach two different <laughs> sermons. <laughs> to, 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 so what we think we're saying, we're not. We're, yeah. you know, we're not. We have to find out if yeah. people are hearing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. I learned that in marriage, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chuck. That just jumped out at me. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And that's the struggle. And people, if any of my friends ever hear this, they're going to say, and that's one of my struggles. Uh, I, I, I tend to ramble, and I'm not clear. That's why I've got a list of 10 things. But, uh, <laughs> so I've, got, I've got the Holy Spirit my wife to help me be a clarity monger. So as we lead our missional community, I'm like, okay, Lindy, you clean that up. Make sure they... <laughs> Yeah. Sure yeah. You've got an assistant um, yeah, Holy Ghost too. Yeah. Are, so yeah. That, that's why John was telling me that in the first instance, but because I was guilty. Um, number nine, remember what assuming makes you. <laughs> remember what assuming makes you. Don't assume every churchgoer in the South is a devoted follower of Jesus. That's right. Don't assume just because you said it once, people get your vision. <laughs> Don't assume anything. Yeah. You know? The old adage again is you must inspect what you expect. So mm-hmm. uh, again, don't be afraid to ask questions, just like you guys were saying. Ask them and listen. Yes, <laughs> yes. Right. So don't don't assume. Don't assume. And number ten, real important, real important. It's one of my specialties in training church planning. Party hardy. Party hardy. Guess what, guys? I've read the end of the book, and we win. That's right. <laughs> that are devoted followers of Jesus will be presented holy and blameless before the go. throne of God and live with God and reign in the new heavens and new earth forever and ever. So we win. So we need to just relax and celebrate evidences of grace constantly. We need to learn to see the good. We need to be patient, and we need to have fun. What God's teaching me most clearly right now in the last two weeks is just in some of my angst trying to figure some things out still about my life. He's just like, trust Jesus and enjoy the journey. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to stop right there because I probably can't say anything better than that right there. Trust yeah. Jesus and enjoy, enjoy the, journey. the journey. Yeah, that is awesome. That's that is good. awesome. And, <laughs> yeah, we should be the most joyful people on the planet. And, uh, and a lot of times that is, that is not the case. And, and it's always baffling to me as to why you know, that's not the case. You know? I have church planters build up in their budget because they feel so guilty, like planning a great celebration yeah. for their church. Yeah. I'm like, let's go read what the kingdom of God's going to be like. Okay. Yep. Yep. It is godly. I mean, there's a time to feast and there's a time to fast, so you better be great at both, and that's part of my discipleship teaching. So that's good. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely, absolutely, man, dude, this is an awesome list. I love this. It really is. Yeah, this is going to be really helpful to a lot of guys, and and, you know, if if for nothing else, to get guys to ask questions about some things that maybe they haven't asked questions about yet, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, that's that's all part of you know, training and coaching is to get us to learn to ask better questions 
not necessarily maybe to get answers to all our questions, but to learn to ask better questions and right questions that will help us get down the road. And so this, these top ten great things here to, to really think through that will really strengthen our church planners to sit down and work through this stuff. And so, um, so that's great. That's good. Well, hey, man, that, that's a lot to chew on right there. So we're going to just kind of let that marinate. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> and, uh, and then we're going to ask you some questions that uh, really don't have a whole lot of spiritual value. But, uh, <laughs> but they are great we questions. We have to do something while that steak is marinating. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's right. This is, this is part of the party hardy you know, kind of thing. We're going to laugh a little bit and enjoy this. And so, so we always want to end up with some rapid fire questions, just kind of some fun questions to, uh, to, to peer into your soul uh, a little bit. Okay. And so, so quick answers, top one or two books that have had the most impact on you. God's Lavish Grace by Terry Virgo. Hmm. I don't know. Um, now I'm going to have to go buy and, the book. Man, so many. If he mentions um, Forgotten Ways, I'm going to bust that laughing. <laughs> and then really the concepts is, I mean, uh, Jeff Vandersell's book, Saturate, just yeah. because it talks about a biblical view of the church and mission and, and everyday discipleship. Yeah. Good. That's good. Okay. Uh, I better say that, and I'm on the I'm on the board of saturate. So I, I <laughs> yeah, you better say it twice. Yeah, uh, I forgot it. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> uh, you mentioned a weakness, but uh, reiterate: greatest strength and greatest weakness in ministry. Me, um, who? I think it, different answer now that I'm. I'm a lot older. Mm-hmm. This is all developed. I wasn't good at this. I think people would say now that my greatest strength is that uh, I can be an encouraging uh, agent and presence in their life to help them really live out their call. Yeah. Um, my uh, my weaknesses are so many. <laughs> uh, my. I tend to go too fast. Um, hmm. It was said to me one time, you know, I'm kind of a, instead of ready aim fire, I'm a ready fire aim, uh-huh. you know, that I'm the kind of guy who'll jump out of the, the airplane and then check see if I got a parachute on later. So often I'll get so far ahead of people um, in my mind that, you know, I've, I've swung the rope across the ravine, but I didn't have any forethought on how to help get anyone, you know, across with me. So yeah. I kind of have this, it's the curse of being a, a visionary, but not really any architectural um, process strategies to get anyone to go with me. So <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, so that's a, maybe a gift weakness. I got character weaknesses of um, you know anything about enneagram. Man, I'm a one, so I'm, I'm I can see the negative, wow. the positive, and I tend to see people's weaknesses uh, before their strengths. Uh, but people like me. Turn it on herself even even worse, so I can be my own worst enemy. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and not believe in the grace of God, which see, is why I named that book first. See, that's why you need to hang out with me because I'm an Enneagram Seven, and I don't think anybody has any weaknesses. So we just want to party. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you to dig into it, but you don't want to face it. I understand. That's right. That's exactly right. That's right. I'm second, I'm second highest. My second highest is a seven, and one yeah. when they're healthier, seven. That's why we ended with party heart. Exactly, exactly. That's right. All right. Favorite pastime or hobby? Golf. Golf. You played in college? Yeah. Oh, look at there. Man, he's real deal. There you go. Okay, favorite movie? Caddyshack. No, I'm (laughs) sorry. Lonesome Dove. Lonesome Dove? Okay. Okay. That's a good one. What about favorite? Go ahead. No, that was good. <laughs> you can have two. I have two. Yeah. All right. Favorite band or musician? I'm an old. I uh, came to Little Rock last week. Listen, Jimmy Buffett. So I'm an old parrot head by heart. Yeah. Look at there. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. All right. That's cool. So, so were you at the concert? Yes. Yeah. Were, were you the only sober person in the room? 
No, there were several of us that were filming. Seventy-two, man. It's almost like the geriatric crowd. It was the oldest <laughs> people I've ever been around. Yeah, he is seventy-two. That's in a nursing home. It was really funny. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. It was really. Funny. I literally didn't smell. I didn't smell dope the whole time. I mean, there was a few drugs, but granted, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. That's <laughs> hilarious, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you I, know, didn't realize he was I didn't realize. You don't it. think about those guys being that old, but they've been around forever. They have. And, yeah, uh, yeah all, all my rock heroes are getting old, man. And uh, crazy. I crazy. saw Steve Miller Band last night at the Amp up in Rogers. Really? And that dude's like 74, 75. Yeah. Are God. they that old? They're yeah, not man, that old. That's... that's Late 60s, yep. early 70s. And it just does not seem like it, though. Well, it doesn't seem well, like it to us. Yeah, well, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. well. Maggie wasn't yeah. even born, you know. Well, yeah, none of my kids were born. They, <laughs> yeah. they, they don't know who we're talking about. Yeah, they're, they're well, like, who's yeah. Who's Jimmy Buffett? No, yeah. she's, she's, she's a Jimmy Buffett fan, yeah. so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my favorite songs aren't his famous songs. Yeah. It's more the ocean sailing ballad stuff, yeah. but anyway. We digress. She may not be a Jimmy Buffett fan, but she likes parrots, so that qualifies. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. fits. I don't own any of his music, but I like parrots. I love those so, parrots. Yeah, yeah Jimmy Buffett's go. okay with me. <laughs> uh, and flip-flops. And flip-flops. You know, parrots, parrots and, and flip-flops. flip-flops. There you go. Wine church, yeah, and, uh, and who? That's right. That's right. Oh, uh-huh. man. Awesome. I awesome. mean, Lays, not Hula. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he wears a Hula skirt. Uh, he probably has. No, he probably has. People have probably given him some. I'm but sure. he's probably That's here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. We'll talk at you later. All right. All right. See ya. That's all for this episode of The Grind. Make sure to sign up for The Grind email newsletter for all the latest news, articles, and book recommendations by going to absc.org slash thegrindnewsletter. If you like what you hear, rate and review us, and make sure to share this episode with your friends. Until next time, keep grinding.